Welcome to the program, Younger Older. This is Dave Wager, and today I'm with Nate Brash, a good friend who has every once in a while joins me on Younger Older. He's the younger guy, by the way. And uh, we're talking about end-of-life issues, in a way, and you're a young guy. Mm -hmm. That's not a conversation a lot of guys in their 30s have. No. And yet it's an important discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us again, how are you doing? Uh, you're, you're in chemo. You've got cancer. You've got a fancy name for the cancer. Goblet cell carcinoid. There you go. So anyone that's scientific out there that wants it, there you have it. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're basically terminal. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, there's... No cure for it. You know, every time I go in for chemo, you know, the doctor's like, hey, we're not trying to cure it. We're just trying to manage it. Okay. Uh, and anybody in the, you know, stage four cancer, that's basically the same boat that everybody is in. Uh, when you're in stage one, you know, sometimes stage two, they can usually remove the tumor and you just kind of go into remission. But when it's so far spread, it's very hard to remove everything because it's so far spread. So are they finding any progress as you go through chemo? Are you seeing any progress at uh, all? Not since the last time I had a scan when I was in the hospital and it was still pretty early. Okay. Um, I'll probably have another maybe two to three treatments and then kind of reevaluate from there and see where we go. Okay. Well, let me ask you another way. You're obviously under treatment and obviously the treatment causes some issues. Oh, yeah. But do you think you're feeling better in general? Uh, it depends on the day that you ask. Okay. Like today it's a little more tired. Uh, as we were talking off air, the, some of the medications that we both take. Right. Uh, heat kind of plays into that and the warmer the weather gets, you kind of get a little more tired. Yeah. And then uh, this is about the time when my blood levels start to stabilize. Yep. So it's kind of the making of a perfect storm of yeah. me feeling kind of fatigued and I really like coffee at this time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because again, uh, we've made no bones about what I have. I have narcolepsy. And when I was young, my mom used to tell me that she thought I was allergic to heat <laughs> because I went so limp. Mm -hmm. And it, it, she actually told me that several times. And I think now back, I think very possibly I have narcolepsy all my life. I didn't recognize mm -hmm. it. Because he does that. So that, that's just interesting. It's neither here nor there. Uh, I tell you what, I'm reading a book that was just published. It was published by Grace Acres Press. And it's called For Thou Art With Me. It's Biblical Help for the Terminally Ill and Those Who Love Them by Bruce A. Baker. And Bruce A. Baker, he, he was a, um, he is, was, I don't know what he's doing right now, a pastor and a teacher, a theologian. And he basically has uh, terminal disease, ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, yep. which basically, if you correct me if, if I'm wrong, if you know anything about it, but I think eventually your, your muscles just stop and you don't breathe anymore mm -hmm. uh, yep. on that. Yeah. Your muscles so, just kind of shut down and yeah. Well, I find it interesting. I want to read some things that he wrote and I want to get your response to him okay. if that's okay. Yeah. And I would encourage our people that are listening. If you want this book, go to Grace Acres Press and uh, look for, for Thou Art With Me, and I'm sure you can get it somehow. It might even be on Amazon. I have no idea. Uh, I did write the publisher and asked if I could get some of these to sell, but I don't know uh, any answer as of right this moment. But he starts off as chapter two. For chapter one, he just kind of tells us about that he has ALS, so he actually knows what he's talking about. And people, uh, basically, if you're a pastor, you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about 
uh, terminal issues, life-ending issues, because mm-hmm. when that happens, a pastor usually is somebody involved in talking to the... Usually the first and the last person yeah. you talk to with life issues. Yeah. But he has a chapter two, he says this. It's titled this, The Gift of Time. And he said, as I write this book, I'm making one grand assumption, namely that you, the reader, have a terminal disease, or at least that someone you dearly love has a terminal disease. Either way, your life has changed. It'll never be the same. Now you're forced to think about death. You're forced to think about it every day. Some people call this a curse. I call it a gift. Now, explain to me, when I said that sentence, how does that strike you? It is a gift. Okay, explain what you're thinking when you say that. It allows you to cherish the time with the people that you have here. Okay. Whereas before, you're not thinking about death and the loss. You're just living life. Right. So the normal guy in his 30s, how old are you again? 36. Okay. So a normal 36-year-old is out there... You know, trying to enjoy life. Enjoy life. You're midway through your career. And, yep. You know. You're not really thinking about death, mm. death issues. Nope. But you've been forced to, and Bruce Baker's been forced to, and he says it's a gift. Uh, I'll tell you what's interesting about uh, what he said here. He basically said this, that everybody is dying. hmm And that some people actually die without notice. So you're... You leave, uh, you know, maybe you went to a grocery store at 11 o'clock at night. You forgot something you need in the morning. Some guy drunk pulls out of a bar, head, you know, you have a head-on collision and you die. Mm-hmm. There was no time for you to prepare for that moment. Nope. No time to prepare your family for that moment. And that's why Bruce Baker is saying it's a gift to be able to have a terminal disease because everybody will end up in the same position I'm in. Mm-hmm. Well, is it, we've discussed many times death is certain for everybody right and when you're forced to have to face it it's everybody around you is preparing and uh, whether it be good or bad and i think in a way it's good because you you start to sort out your priorities and right. people and those relationships are the priority yeah i know you know it, it's it's kind of interesting as i get older you know my wife and i have talked to our kids about you know when we're not here here's where the paperwork is, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And I have one daughter that no problem. She'll take notes and figure it out. And another daughter that goes, nah, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not listening. You know, so as if not talking about it is going to stop it from happening. And it's really not. Have you and your wife had uh, good conversations about uh, afterlife issues? Oh yeah. You know, it's a, they're difficult conversations, but you know, we both realize that they have to be, you know, you got to talk about it. And, you know, fortunately, you know, with uh, my family just dealing with, you know, loss of grandparents, um, kind of know a little bit what goes into it. Right. Um, so it's, you know, makes it a little, you know, a little easier. And then, uh, you know, ultimately, God's in control of this. And we both have a very clear understanding of that. Yeah. And that makes it easier because we know God is going to be glorified in whatever happens. Really, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about afterlife issues no matter what age we are. Exactly. It's absolutely um, true that everybody that's alive right now is not going to stay alive forever. And everybody knows that. And everybody knows that one day this body will not be useful anymore. You Mm -hmm. will not be in it. Everybody knows that. It's funny how we spend so much time trying to avoid that. Yeah. 
I mean, trying to avoid the idea of death, trying to avoid the idea that we have to make plans after we die, trying to avoid the idea that, you know, God will meet God. And, and, and then we have a pretend God sometime in our head that says, when I meet God, it'll be like this. But we have no basis for that understanding other than we want it that way. Mm-hmm. So really, the Bible talks quite a bit about death and what will happen. And mm-hmm. I can summarize it for our listeners. You will die. Very God simple. loves you very much. You'll die on this earth in a physical way, but you're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And you live forever, forever either as a child of God in his family, and you go to a place that he's prepared for you, or you live forever, forever separated from God because you've never dealt with the sin in your life. And by dealing with sin, we're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about accepting God's love because of Jesus Christ who came and died for you and basically took the penalty for your sin. Uh, I love comparing that to uh, a child who's being adopted and that when you look at a child who needs adopting, they offer nothing to the family. I know some adoptive parents get mad when I say that, but it's not, I I understand they offer you hugs and love. I, I understand that, but they don't offer you, you know, any reason to come and, and meet no, all their needs. There's no big gold bars waiting for it. No, there. no. It's... All they have is a need. Yep. That's all they have. And they recognize it. I have no parents. I have no way to make it. I'm a child. I need to be taken care of. They have nothing to offer you. And if you're going to adopt them, it's all you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what God does with us. The, the only way that I can ever be okay is to come to God and say, God, I actually have nothing to offer you. And I think, you know, terminally ill, as the longer you get in that position, the more you realize you have nothing to offer Mm -hmm. because you don't have anything to offer. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I I can't even be, go out there and do good deeds. I'm too tired. You know, I can't. You fall asleep doing them. Yeah. (laughs) I tell you, I I have watched my mom, my dad died of a heart attack at 60 years old, so it was very sudden. My mom was, it was very slow demise and she had several strokes and, and over many years. So I, I watched both take place and uh, I'm not sure people have asked me, so what do you prefer? It's like, I, you know, going quickly has its benefit. Believe me, mm-hmm. you know, you have sorrow. It's all condensed into these little moments and you have to deal with it and you can get on with life going slowly. It's very difficult to watch a loved one yeah. go through some very hard moments. Mm-hmm. But I uh, would tell people in my response, but you're not going to choose that. I mean, regardless of how things go, your job is to show the world who God is in the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. And the minute you close your eyes on this earth, you're going to hope and wish that that's exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a moment that everybody needs to look forward to and not fear. Yep. It's interesting how uh, Bruce Baker talks about this is the gift to him. He says this, some people call it a curse, I call it a gift. It's a gift for two very important reasons. First, it leaves you no choice but to face the inevitable. You mm-hmm. know, no yeah. choice. So is that how you feel? I mean, yeah. well, it's, uh, death is inevitable, as yep. we've said many, many times. And the second is you've been given time to get ready. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason he says it, those two things. It's like... Pay attention. You actually are going to die, mm-hmm. and you actually can get ready. And it's funny. You don't even have to be terminal to do that. Right. You can 
just invest in people. Yeah. It's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's and what you, you do. And yeah. It's everybody has the opportunity that we have. It's just a lot more clear. And, you know, for me, because it's a, you know, cancer is typically a terminal thing where, you know, narcolepsy is, you, know, you just keep on right. going, but it's, a, it's still a, it's, there's no cure. Yeah. It shows your but, humanness. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we just see it a little bit more, but everybody has that opportunity to be like us. Yep. And, you know, I, it was interesting this last, as you know, this last week has been interesting. Um, we actually had our mother-in-law go home to be with the Lord. Uh, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother. And we were actually with them, and uh, we, were, we had taken them out to eat. And after we'd taken them out to eat, they were in a, a nursing home kind of facility. And we went back with them, and they were just kind of talking with us. And her mom was kind of laying there in and out of kind of sleeping, which wasn't very unusual, actually. Mm-hmm. She, has, she had um, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's. I really don't know the difference between the two, but she had mm-hmm. that vein of thing going on. She could still remember us, uh, but we, you know, she couldn't remember a lot of other things. And when we left, we went back and we were getting ready for bed, and we got a call from the nurses on the floor telling us that her mom died. And uh, we found it very interesting to go and realize we had talked often about the fact that her parents were going to die. We had the order all messed up. We, we actually thought her father would die before her mom. And in the process of thinking it through, though, it's, it's God's timing and, and things are right. And I, I was thinking as, as we talked things through that night, because we had to go back over there, and my wife actually had to tell her dad that her, you know, her mom just died. And he was right. It's about six or eight feet from her. Mm-hmm. But in his condition, he has Parkinson's, and in his condition, he didn't know she was dead at that point. And the nurses waited for us to come over there, and my wife was able to do that. But I'm telling you, Nate, I, I, hope outweighs sorrow at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's not that sorrow wasn't there, but hope outweighs the sorrow. And I am so thankful that we know Jesus as our Savior, that we know that God loves us, and we know that the body that my mother-in-law was in, is she wasn't there anymore Mm -hmm. in that body. It's an empty shell at that point. And you know, it was yep. interesting, though. We got there, and she was laying on the bed. Her body was there. I mean, her body was laying on the bed. She was no longer there. It was the most peaceful I have seen her in years, literally years. The look over her face was an amazing peace that was sitting there. And I was looking at her going, oh, my goodness. It, you just died, mm-hmm. and you have the most peaceful expression on your face. It is if somebody came and comforted you and left and, and, and left the expression on your face of hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the family actually stayed in that room for several hours waiting for, you know, the, um, the, the funeral home to come and take mm-hmm. her away and, you know, that kind of thing. And it was really a good few hours because she looked that good laying there. Mm-hmm. looked like she was just sleeping. Uh, I experienced the same thing when my grandfather passed away. It's uh, it, very peaceful. And yep. you know, it's, you know, I actually witnessed him passing away right in front of us and, you know, very peaceful. It was, uh, very relaxed. And, you know, at that point you're in a room with an empty shell Yeah. and you know, they're in heaven Yep. and there's, you know, there, that sorrow cause you do miss, 
you know, your loved ones. Absolutely. But the rejoicing far outweighs that because they are now in the presence of God. Yeah, the sorrow can't be for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can't be. Unless they really didn't know Jesus, then I would feel sorry oh, for yeah. them. But if they know Christ, if, if you're in God's family, you can't have sorrow for them. It, they would look at you and go, stop it. Things are far, you know, and we've talked about this in other programs where we talked about how God has gone to those in his family. He's gone to prepare a place for them. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, if we look at what the Bible says, here's what I believe happened when my mother-in-law closed her eyes on this earth, that there were angels waiting there to escort her. And, and they will escort her to the Father for her to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's what the scriptures teach us. And if you go and you look in the Bible, the story of Lazarus and the rich man, you, you get an, a clear understanding that those who are believers, they will never, ever, ever be alone. Mm -hmm. You will not be alone during that time. And that's really precious and very important for us to grab a hold of because that alone is something. When we sorrow, we need to know that we sorrow because of our loss, mm -hmm. because of the relational loss that we have. But one day that's going to end. We are going to be with those we love, if they're believers, for all eternity, and it will not stop. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. And that's for a long time. You know, Nate, when you think about it, I mean, uh, how long have you been married? Uh, was it nine years, 10 years? Okay. So married about 10 years. How long are you going to be in eternity? Forever. Yeah. That's a lot more than nine That's a nine lot more. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> whenever you leave this planet, or whenever I leave this planet, you know, I'm going on 40 years being married. And uh, whenever I leave this planet, it's going to be billions of years I'm going to be somewhere. It's going to be billions of years my wife is going to be somewhere. It's going to be billions of years my kids are going to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. This life is a vapor. And we have to live that way. And you have the privilege of forced, being forced to look at it and deal with it that way. And that's what he was saying in this, this book, which is kind of intriguing, that he is somebody who's looking at it saying, I am the fortunate one. Mm -hmm. Well, and as we talked off air, everybody is terminal, and that terminal illness is sin, and mm -hmm. that, you know, that separates us from God. Yep. And you know, sin is the worst illness you can have. Because, you know, cancer may take me, but I'll be with God if I die. So in if a way, you don't have God, you don't have anything. So in a way, sin is terminal. Mm -hmm. Very <laughs> same, much so. Same thing. I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to die. Yeah. Th that's what does it. And really, the only cure for sin is death. Yeah. And, and somebody the, had the to death of death. Jesus, the death of Jesus keeps us from the penalty of our death. Mm -hmm. But the death of Jesus is something demonstrated that you and I will have life forever. Mm -hmm. So those without Jesus, those without hope right now, I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you are people that are choosing to ignore God who loves you and sent his son for you. I love the, the verse that everybody really knows and quotes. John 3.16 just says, For God so loved the world. Okay, you stop for there a minute. You go, he loved the world, so what? that he sent his only son, mm -hmm. that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse tells us that God didn't send his son into the world to punish us. He mm -hmm. sent his son because he loves us. To go through this life and be estranged from God is the worst thing that can happen because here, here's what will happen. You will be kept your whole life away from true hope 
You will never have hope in this life, so it will leave you restless in this life. You will never find peace in this life. And when you die, you will never find peace for eternity. Mm-hmm. That, is, feeling. It, oh, <laughs> that is beyond yeah. um, anything. You know, I was reading again in this book called uh, For Thou Art With Me by Bruce Baker. He uh, was talking in, in another chapter, he was talking about why are people afraid to die? And he said, I don't think I need to do a lot of convincing that in general, people's primary fear is the fear of death. Have you ever wondered why that is? He just is asking a simple question. If you go around this world, people are afraid to die. And he's going, why? Why should you be afraid to die? So like, the, the question I have is the same one. Why would people be afraid of something that they know for sure is going to happen? I think that a lot of it is nobody understands it. Okay. Because uh, nobody's experienced death and has come back and said, this is what it's like. You know, almost everything that we do today, you can experience it. Right. And that's one of those things you can't experience Absolutely. and come back and God, I'm an expert at dying. Yep. And it's, uh, I think there's a lot of unknown that just it terrifies people. Absolutely. I want to invite our listeners to go to the book of Luke in the, in the Bible, to the New Testament. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, Mark, Luke, third, third book. And read in the 16th chapter. There's a story there that's not a story. Jesus talks about a rich man and Lazarus. We've talked about this before, but this is the one spot in Scripture. If you want to see what happens after life, God, Jesus Christ, tells you. And he's an expert at it because Mm -hmm. he was there. He was the only one. Yeah. So it it talks about the rich man and Lazarus, and it goes, this is not, by the way, this is not an indictment against rich people. It is not something that he's just saying. No, every one of us can be rich people and that we're distracted by the things of this Mm -hmm. life. And when we're distracted, whether it be money or fortune or fame or fishing, you know, whatever it is. Basically anything gets in the way of God. Yeah. And the rich man was busy being a rich man. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have a relationship with God. Lazarus, on the other hand, was a poor guy, a beggar, sat at a gate. Lazarus was terminally ill and terminally sick, mm-hmm. and terminally poor. And I mean, he was the opposite. But he was rich in that he had a relationship with God. This is the gift of terminality, if I want to call it that. When you're knowing that your life is terminal, you can have the gift of having a positive and important relationship with Almighty God because you make it important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's found in Luke chapter 16. I invite you to go look at it, and you'll see there that the, the, as the rich man dies, there's a comma, and it says, in hell. That's his next spot. And when Lazarus dies, it says that a carry, a, an angel carried him. Total different response after death. Mm-hmm. When the rich man was going to come back to this life, uh, when the rich man was questioned, he can't come back, he wanted to come back, he had one thing that he wanted to tell his relatives. And that was that the place he was in was real. And I think that's why a lot of people are really wondering about death because they don't go to the Bible. They don't want to believe that there is an afterlife. They don't want to believe in God. So they're hoping that just their belief system holds them up. And we all know that just believing in something doesn't make it true. That doesn't work. No.
So the rich man and Lazarus is interesting. The, the poor man, Lazarus, the sick man, seemed to get his relationships in order. And all the way through, it was clear that he was the guy who experienced peace in this life and peace in the next. Now, let me ask you this. Um, Nate, do you have peace in this life right now? Oh, yeah. So you're oh, yeah. not you're not taking medicine for anxiousness or anything. Nope. And you're not really anxious. No, it's a and that peace only comes from God. I don't know how many times I've you know expressed to people, it's a, it's not by my doing. It's not from my wife, my parents. That peace only comes from God, and that you know the faith that you know my family puts in Him through this. And it's not just going through cancer. It's going through anything in life. That yep. peace just comes from him, and it's overwhelming. You know, when you you know immerse yourself in the Word of God, you see it, and you have to immerse yourself in the Word to you know really experience that. Absolutely, because you know, that's where He speaks to you. The immersing yourself in the Word of God is really the, the relational time you spend mm-hmm. with God. Yep. Just uh, and your conversations with God, I'm guessing, are just more um, more potent mm-hmm. than they used to be, just because of your perspective at this point. Yeah. Uh, just as uh, your time with your children and your time with your wife is probably more concentrated mm-hmm. when you're actually with them because you're enjoying that moment. It's amazing how when you know you're terminal, how you begin to align your life according to what's important. Yeah. Now, let's say tomorrow that the doctor came and said, really weird, Nate, you're completely better, no terminality anymore. How do you think your life is going to be different? It's not going to change. Now I've got something to point towards. God miraculously cured me. Right. I know it could come back. He can give it to me back, and I'd still be fine with that. Right. And I would still live the same way that I'm living right now. See, and that's the gift that this baker is talking about, Mm -hmm. the idea of getting life in perspective. Uh, For years, I thought that when I turned 60, uh, I wouldn't be here anymore. I would die during my 60th year. And that was because every male in my family that I knew of died at 60 or before. And it was always heart disease, and I've had heart disease, so it's like, you know, I'm just on this path Mm -hmm. where 60 is about it. Well, I'm 63 now, and I'm still here. And God is laughing. And God is going, yeah, nice (laughs) nice plans you had. And what's interesting is I keep thinking, you know, God, what's going to happen is I'm going to get hit by a truck or something, aren't I? I I won't even die of a heart attack. (sighs) And, uh, you know, something else is going to happen where I die from that instead of uh, what I had thought I would die from. Mm -hmm. But I've never had the discussion with God that I'm not going to die. It's of what God now? Mm -hmm. When God now? As I get older, as I said, I've been married 40 years. Uh, It'll be next year 40 years, but uh, rounding it off 40 years. I can't even remember not being married, actually. And, and I'm thinking, okay, God, what, you know, I don't know that I could live without my wife, and I don't know that I want her to have the burden of living without me. What a dilemma. <laughs> so, you know, could you arrange this so we go together or something? And, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, God must laugh at some of that stuff in a good way, like a child asking something real silly. Mm-hmm. Well, I get because, that all the time with my kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just bet that God sits in heaven at that moment and says, Either way, I'm the one that takes care of you. Mm-hmm. I know how to take care of you if your wife's not there, and I know how to take care of her if you're not there. So why don't you just relax? Why don't you enjoy being with her? And then one day, you won't be together for a while, but 
we'll get you together later. You know, if you don't have that hope, contact us. This is Dave Wager with Nate Brash, and we're coming to you from Relate365.com on Younger and Older.